This episode of The Kate Show is brought to you by Side Door. As an interior designer, a home stager, a window treatment professional, or a home organizer, you guys deal with products every day, many of which your existing audience would love to own. If you're dreaming of selling product through your website or through your social media platforms, but you just don't want to be bogged down by ordering and shipping and loads of inventory, you need Side Door. When Side Door entered the home industry in early 2020, they changed everything. Side Door lets you source and curate the perfect trade-only pieces for your customers' homes. And with their seamless platform, you can create product collections with ease. Curate an entire room, specialize in a certain aesthetic, or simply create a collection of, I don't know, your favorite area rugs. Whatever you know your clients love would make for a great Side Door collection. You curate the look, Side Door handles ordering and shipping, and you make money. Plus, you can sell each collection many times over, creating the perfect opportunity for recurring income. Or if you really just want to keep things simple, you can use Side Door to buy products yourself at designer pricing without needing to have an account with various vendors or meet any of their required minimums. It's about power to the designer, people. If you're ready to truly scale your home industry business, go to OnSideDoor.com and apply to join. Now, let's get to today's episode. My name is Kate the Socialite, and you're listening to episode 207 of The Kate Show. Today, I have a special guest, and we are talking about the systems and processes that every design firm needs to really scale and be successful. Because here's the thing, no one is an overnight success. Yet, some people have had their success brewing steadily on the back burner for years before really cranking up the heat and stepping into the spotlight. That analogy doesn't really make sense, but you know what I mean. (laughs) Interior designer Sarah Lynn Brennan is no exception. And I might be biased because my agency has had the honor of working with Sarah on and off throughout the years. And as you'll hear in our interview, we also designed her website. But I just think she's a stellar example of what you can accomplish when you take ownership of your own success, ignore the naysayers, and let your passion fuel you forward. So today I'm going to be asking Sarah in-depth questions regarding the story behind her success, her ideal client, her systems and processes, and if you're just getting started in your design business or you feel stuck in a rut with your business for several years, this episode of The Kate Show is for you. Now, before I get into the interview, I do want to give you guys Sarah's bio because a lot of you already know who she is, but for those of you that don't, here's the scoop. Sarah Lynn Brennan is an award-winning entrepreneur, CEO, and principal interior designer at Sarah Lynn Brennan Interiors, the first and only full-service interior design firm in Waxhaw, North Carolina, that specializes in transitional design. She and her design-build team take spaces from bare bones to beautiful by utilizing her exclusive, approachable, stress-free design process, transforming and renovating homes from start to finish in the Charlotte, North Carolina area. Aesthetically, Sarah and her team are known for their recognizable romantic transitional design style, mixing soft and natural elements with timeless transitional style. Sarah is also recognized as a visionary and innovator in the design industry for her unique and signature design processes and packages, which have led to a tremendous amount of fast growth for her own business, as well as teaching and coaching opportunities in the design industry. Sarah's confident, unique, and fearless approach to business and design make her an inspiration to those who work with and around her, and I can personally attest to that as well. 
So guys, I hope you enjoy this interview with Sarah. She definitely brings more to the table than I expected her to. Our conversation doesn't quite even follow the outline that I made for this episode. Yes, I outline each episode. And it's like in the best of ways. So I'm pretty darn excited to bring you this interview. Also, this episode is brought to you by HoneyBook. <laughs> Speaking of systems and processes, if you're looking to create a professional client workflow that you're going to hear Sarah talk about a lot today, if you want it to be automated, if you want to set client expectations, if you want to communicate well, then you could use HoneyBook for that. You can use code SOCIALITE for 50% off your first year. Go to HoneyBook.com and use the code SOCIALITE to get started. All right, guys, let's get into my interview with Sarah Lynn Brennan. Marketing your interior design or home staging business should be easy and relational. My name is Kate the Socialite, and I believe in action, not just ideas. And I share strategies that have proven to work right here every week. If you're serious about growing your business in the home industry, you're in the right place. Welcome to The Kate Show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Kate Show. I am here with the one and only Sarah Lynn Brennan. Sarah, thank you for coming on the show. Oh, thanks, Kate. Thanks for having me. I am really glad we can make this happen. And it actually had occurred to me when we were emailing back and forth a couple of weeks ago, I'm like, why haven't I had her on the show yet? I do not really know because I get contacted all the time by people saying, can you make me look like Sarah? And I'm like, well, no, but here, let's have a conversation. So my <laughs> listeners know you, they know who you are and they follow you because you are not shy about sharing your story. And it's a story that a lot of people can relate with. And I actually would like to open with that for the few people who are not familiar with your journey to interior design, could you give us a recap of what that looked like? Yeah, sure. Well, I just want to say you also created a product that was easy to understand and easy to read. You're very talented on your end, Kate, at what you do, because oh, I couldn't so have created a website like that. Um, <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> um, so my journey in interior design started out, I think, like a lot of people's do. I think, you know, some go to school for this and have full intention to do it from the get-go, but others enter into it as a second career. And that's what I did. I had always kind of gravitated towards the field. I honestly came from a small town. I didn't know it was a thing. I didn't know you could get paid to do this. So I have a degree in education and biology. So I was a middle school science teacher. I had my babies and I decided to stay home. In staying home, we moved and I decorated my own house, fell in love, thought it was fun. And then I started doing some floral arrangements and floral design. I started tapping into my creative side that because I was so science-minded, I didn't really know that I had. And then from there, I decorated and styled and furnished my house that we moved into. People came over for my, my children's birthdays and they were like, oh, who did this? And I was like, oh, I did. You actually like it? Like, I didn't know. I, I knew I liked it, but I didn't you know, really care what anyone else thought at the time, but they ended up liking it. So I was like, wow. And my friend um, was a photographer and she had asked if she could um, just shoot my house like for her portfolio. And I was like, really? Okay. So she did that. And I happened to be standing in line at like a CVS or something. And I saw a, a magazine that was called um, Cottages and Bungalows. And I was flipping through it and I was like, wow, this is kind of my style. Like I really like it. Actually, it was called Romantic Homes. 
then. It was called Romantic Homes. And I was like, this is kind of my style. I like it. So I got the contact of the publisher and I went to the website and I just submitted the photos that that photographer had taken of my house. And they replied back and they were like, we want to put it in. What? So I was like super pumped, like very, you know, inexperienced amateur moment at the time. But I was like, wow, this is cool. Like, you know, when you see something in your lens, but then you actually see your work in somebody else's lens. And so it was like literally and figuratively speaking, like I saw my my work through the lens of somebody else. And that really like gave me this little like moment of like, this is something I could probably do. So it got in the magazine. I posted on Instagram about it. I did not have a, I think my following was like 450 friends at that point, like people and acquaintances I knew over time. And I just put myself out there. I was like, this is what happened. This is what I'm doing. And I just kept making wreaths and floral arrangements. And over time, it just turned into people asking for help. And then I got asked to design this space and then this space and then this house. And then my first like stranger hired me and kind of just took it from there. And, and I had, you know, so grateful for the people who were trusting in the beginning of the process, but yeah, just kind of dove right in as a second career, like a lot of people do. I love that story because I wasn't aware that a friend had photographed your home and then that just kind of snowballed into this, but what a moment of validation. I mean, just to be like, oh, this magazine is all over it. Like what? Uh, and, And here you're just like living your life, enjoying your own home. But I guess that is what design is all about. You know, creating a, creating right. a space that people love. Yeah. And and my daughter was one at the time. So it was not like what I interpreted interior design as, you know, from my, my perspective, I thought it had to be super fancy and like really expensive. And yeah, I had nice pieces in my home and, you know, we have a nice house, but it, it wasn't what I thought. And so it was interesting for me to realize like, there's this side of interior design that's actually kind of approachable. It doesn't have to be something that only the top, you know, 2% of the whole world gets access to. It can be something, even though it is always a luxury, something that people like me could enjoy. And really it makes a difference in their lives. And, And I didn't really have that realization until I understood that that could be attractive to other people the way I was living. Yeah. And I think one of the benefits you had going for you was that you, even though you didn't have an official design background, you had a background of being a mom of young kids mm-hmm. and wanting to have a beautiful space. And that's, those are the pain points that drive a lot of people to contact an interior designer anyway. So do you think that was kind of a help to you to really like be in your client's shoes from the beginning? For sure, for sure. And the ironic part about the whole journey is that I, when I moved, I had, she was six months old when we moved. And so I really wanted help. I tried to hire an interior designer. I called three locally and I could not understand what was supposed to happen after the first consult with all three. And it was really interesting because they came to the house. I paid for it. They sent over like a summary or they, one didn't even call me back. And it was, I was like, what's next? Like, what are we doing here? And um, it was just really interesting because I was like, I were doing this. I feel like I would be doing this. So it was just really interesting because I wanted that experience for myself. And I think that was also helpful to help me build what I didn't see out there, you know, in the world. Yep. You were filling a gap in the market and 
what I've heard a lot of other designers say, and they've been in business for 25, 30 years, so like, it's not so much about the design, it's about the experience of the design, not just how they feel when it's all installed and revealed, but how they felt through the entire process Did they feel taken care of. And admittedly, they will say, you know, it took me a long time to learn this. Now you learned this quickly before you were ever a designer mm -hmm. and your business grew quickly what's the reason for that? Like, what was the secret sauce? I think I know what you're going to say or what direction you're going to go, but, but break it down for me. Yeah. I've, I've always just been really willing to adapt and adjust like really quickly. So after my first year in business, I, I kind of realized I wasn't making as much money as I wanted to. And it was either kind of one of those moments where I was like hobby or business. And so I decided like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to take it seriously, make good money and, you know, be respected. I'm not just going to like piddle around. I've always had the mindset of like this fail fast model. I try something. If it works, gets good feedback, keep doing it. If it doesn't work. I stop doing it. So in the first year I was doing willy nilly, like hourly, you know, whatever the client wanted to do, I'd show up and say, oh, what do you want to work on today? You know, let them drive the project. The second year I realized like, wow, I need to figure out how this is going to work and then take them on that journey. And so I did a lot of reflecting of that first year and I started to build what are now um, flat fee packages that our clients go through and the process of interior design from start to finish. I really kind of outlined all of that so that it was super clear from the get-go that this is how we're going to do it in this order. And it just ended up like propelling me forward, you know, in all the ways possible because it provided clarity. We didn't argue about hours or pricing or anything anymore. It was just, you know, very clear from the get-go. And I, I think that was what helped us grow really quickly. Yeah. And I would imagine that your clients felt very well taken care of knowing yes. that they didn't have to be put in the same position you were of, okay, what's next? Mm -hmm. Because it's always a red flag to me if any of my clients ever have to say to me, what's next? It's like, oh crap, I guess I didn't outline this very well. I should yes. tell them what's next before they even have a chance to ask. And that's why the systems and processes are so important. And it's really impossible to scale or to grow a business if you don't have the systems and processes. Because, I mean, when you started, you were a solopreneur. But yep. I'm guessing that didn't last long and you mm -hmm. had to be able to bring people on board, but then bring them into your processes. Otherwise, everyone's confused in the yeah. office, in the home, like everything. So what does your team look like today compared to when you first started? Yeah. So when I first started, I was doing everything by myself. I think the most I could manage was like four projects at a time. Then it quickly grew over time. Now we're at five, a five person team that includes office administrator, lead designer, junior designer, me as the principal and CEO and accountant bookkeeper that we have. And we have tons of industry partners and people that we, we work with locally. So we link arms with different cabinet specialists, window treatment specialists, tile and cabinetry, like all kinds of contractors. And basically they're an extension of our team, but I've been really smart in the way that I've linked arms with some of those people because it's very reciprocated. 
I go in front of people and I get them business very consistently and they're in front of other people getting us business consistently. So it's almost like this race to who can help each other more as opposed to like that give and take feeling when, you know, some partnerships are like, well, they're not doing their side. It's like the opposite. And so I feel like I've really fostered this amazing extended family team for our business to utilize their skills because that's their lane. It's not my lane. And so why not offer these great tradespeople to my clients as an extension of our team? And they don't need to be on payroll in order for it to serve you and your clients through the whole journey. Yes. Oh, I love that because as entrepreneurs, whether you're in design or not, it can be very tempting to try to be all things to all people. Mm-hmm. Whether you have a big team or a small team, and I have seen many businesses, and I'm guilty of this myself, of trying to put so many services under the umbrella of your brand that you don't know which way is up anymore, and nobody's really sure what your specialty is. So it's not really about being all things to all people, but to your point, knowing the right people and developing those relationships. Now, I know that a lot of the newer designers listening are like, okay, but how do I initiate those relationships? So can you tell me how? that happened? Yeah. Well, a lot of it happens because I'll get a call for something that's like, uh, like early on, for example, I got a call and it's like, can you help me with my kitchen and bath renovation that I want to do? I want to do this big renovation in my house. Well, if I'm technically being truthful, no, because I'm not an architect. I'm not a general contractor. I, I can't get you initiated in probably the ways that you need to get going out the gate, because there's a lot of discovery work that needs to be done before I would technically really enter the picture from a design perspective. Sure, I can work alongside those people, but so instead what I did was I would refer those projects out and I'd be kind of a consulting first um, partner to them throughout that journey. So design's really important in the renovation itself, but if you just work with an architect, you know, there's going to be some things they're not thinking about from a design perspective. If you work with a GC, there's going to be things they're not thinking about from a design perspective. So I can go on the just journey with you as like your design bestie through this process, for lack of a better word, I'll be a partner to you client as we go through this together. And that way, you're, when you get asked a question by the cabinet team, by the GC, by the architect, I can sit there with you and discuss you know, what the best options are, because I do this all the time. Well, in the beginning, I hadn't done it all the time, and there were some things I didn't know how to do. So I would just connect them to people who I knew could do it, who are already doing it. And that then I would learn and I would just kind of, I didn't charge them, but I'd stick around through the initial phases and just watch their meetings and attend with them. And then over time, I got really good at orchestrating and lining up all the trades and gathering bids and making design selections all in between to develop this package that all those people who I refer business to all the time are happy to jump in, give me a quote, because I keep giving them so much business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was really strategic, whether you meant it to be or not. Right. There is this other mindset of, well, I'm just going to refer them and just step away. I'm no longer part of that party. But your hunger for learning and the same hunger that drives people to say, okay, well, I'm going to go to design school. I'm pretty sure this type of strategy is not included in design school. Uh, (laughs) So I'm glad you mentioned that because that is such a 
key difference of just making yourself part of the team. And I think it takes mm -hmm. a certain level of confidence to do that to say, well, I'm not exactly the one helping you right now, but I'm still going to be here. So hi, you right. know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but exactly. I like that. So I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about your signature design style because that's another thing that you're doing that a lot of designers are not. And I speak with a lot of designers and they will say, well, my style is my client's style, which I don't think is wrong by any means. You just do it differently. So can mm -hmm. you tell me what's your signature style? How did you define it? And you, I mean, you pretty much created it, your own term for it, which I think is cool. And just boldly decided to own it instead of being like, well, I'll just do whatever the client wants quote unquote right yeah i mean i feel like there's a natural lane that i i have always been in and that's why i think getting my own house published kind of not on well, not with that intention i didn't design to impress anybody else i just designed it because i liked it i think that helped me own that early on but there's just a natural path i gravitate towards for design and it has like a little bit of a feminine french kind of inspired vibe which we kind of lean towards calling romantic and but then it's also got really clean neutral color palette that you know is is timeless going to last a long time so over the span of time we've developed that term to be called romantic transitional design and really what that means is basically allowing the home to tell the client's personal story through those little romantic details that we sprinkle around their transitional spaces. So out the gate, sometimes I do get questions about it. Like, oh, you know, especially from guys, like, I don't want my house to be like girly. I'm like, why does romantic <laughs> mean girly? You know, romantic just means like, if you actually Google it, it just means like really telling your authentic, mm -hmm. true story. So to me, it, it's just a way to, we use a lot of gallery walls. We use a lot of sentimental elements. When we style bookshelves, we don't just style them. We ask the clients, we have a specific meeting in a style plan meeting asking, you know, what elements would you like us to incorporate into your design? How do we make this house feel like your home versus just any pretty home? And those are those sentimental elements that we sprinkle through. There's always going to be neutral tones. There's always going to be soft greenery in the space. You know, usually there's timeless pieces. You don't see us using big, bold prints and big, bold fabrics. We like to design to make it last because our clients are typically busy professionals who have worked really hard to get where they're at today and they deserve and want a really beautiful home, but they don't want to do this every, you know, five years. They want to do this every 10 years, maybe. They just don't have time for it. And, and once it's done, they're going to be happy and they're going to love it. And it, you know, they're going to be able to live in it. So our style kind of developed out, out of me just really what I gravitated towards naturally, and then also what other people kind of were attracted to. And when I named it, I was thinking, I honestly was thinking about at the time, Joanna Gaines was really popular with Fixer Upper. And I was like, if she can name it Modern Farmhouse, then why can't I name it Romantic Transitional? You know, she invented it. Why can't I? Yeah, good question. <laughs> Today's episode of The Kate Show is brought to you in part by the Window Coverings Association of America. If you're an interior designer, a window treatment specialist, or an installer looking for business growth, listen up. With an annual membership to the WCAA, you'll receive trade discounts, ongoing education, and an exclusive listing in their homeowner-facing directory of professionals. Which, by the way, guys, makes it a lot easier for people to find you. Whether you've been working in the home industry forever, or you're fresh out of design school, 
WCAA can help you take your business to the next level, whether you're just trying to scale up or you're just getting started. Go to WCAA.org for more details. You mentioned that your ideal client is normally like a busy professional. And Mm -hmm. does that still involve like busy professionals with families and pets? Or what is your ideal client looking like these days? Yeah, busy professionals. um, Both parents usually are working. Uh, Usually, like I said, they've they've been in their position, worked really hard to get where they are. They have a a very similar storyline to us. And they typically are very busy. So they're not somebody who's interested in trying to DIY part of the project. They are really somebody who understands the value of bringing a professional into their lives. They probably are doing it in multiple other facets. They're probably people who understand and appreciate process and business planning and things like that. Um, So I always say on our discovery call that we are a very process-driven company. And for the people who really appreciate that, you can tell as soon as I say it, they're like, okay, that's great. You know, I want to know dates. I want to know this. I want to know that. And we project dates on our very first project kickoff meeting. We establish all of our project dates in the beginning because I know they're busy. So we have to do that. They get it on their calendar. They typically have families or they have pets or they live in a way that is very casual and approachable, cozy, and um, they're not looking for anything over the top that that doesn't align with our style. So I'm sure that there's people who read our website and see our portfolio and say, it's not for me, but that's the whole purpose is I'm not wasting my time on discovery calls with people asking me to do modern, like super clean line interior design. Like if you look at our portfolio, you're not going to find that. You're not going to see that in my marketing and in my discussion of how we do design. It doesn't mean I can't lean towards that direction or I can't incorporate, you know, more masculine elements, drop the romantic a little bit. Sure, we we kind of swing whatever direction the client wants, but they're typically not scheduling that initial call unless they're interested in the vibe that we're putting out. And one thing I want to point out to my listeners really quick is the ease with which you just explained an in-depth profile of your ideal clients. It wasn't just, well, they need to make this much money and they need to live in this area because that's not an ideal client. You talked about their priorities, their pain points, their struggles, their life goals, how, and then of course, how they live their daily lives. That's an ideal client. And when you said that you're glad that your marketing repels some people, yes, because otherwise there's no point in having a business if you're trying to serve everyone and then you end up with clients that you don't like and a business that you hate. So- right. The only way to be successful, aside from having systems and processes, is to be that clear on your ideal client, because otherwise marketing is going to be a real pain in the neck, not to mention the rest of running a business. Absolutely. And each of our packages has its own avatar that we're speaking to. So when we're talking about uh, kitchen and bath, that could be a different avatar. You know, maybe they have a little bit different profile, but they consistently need this type of help. Or we also offer a design plan package where they don't do the full gamut. They don't do the full interior design process because that person has more time on their hands. Maybe somebody who's a stay-at-home wife or a stay-at-home mom, they have the time to invest in going shopping. They actually want to do it. So we've developed a service to serve them. We're not trying to shove them into our full service process and wonder why it doesn't work. So we've really thought of, you know, how can we make different avenues of what we offer work for different people who approach us? And sometimes it's super clear, like 
I want to do this amount of work for this little of a budget. Can you help me? And it's just kind of a no, <laughs> you know, and, <laughs> basically that. <laughs> and, and, but it's not without like tons of love and tons of resources and referrals that I'm like, you don't actually want to hire me because you've just said that you just want a bar stool. You just need some paint. Like I'm going to over-design your project in ways you're not going to appreciate or value. So you don't want me, but here's this guy I know. He's amazing at paint. Here's this guy I know. He's awesome at molding. Here's this girl I know. She can help you pick your tile. Go to these people. And again, I'm building that constant referral system. So when that thing happens to them, somebody comes to the painter, she's like, what paint should I pick? He's like, I don't know, call Sarah. And so we have this like, rapport back and forth. I don't need every client to be happy. I actually don't want every client. I want the clients who want us. And I joked one time and I said, we take volunteers, not hostages. If I have to drag you into (laughs) our services, kicking and screaming, it's not going to (laughs) work. I like that. I may have to use that line. (laughs) That's a good one. Did you always know this much about your ideal client or did it come to you over time? Because I speak with a lot of new designers who feel so much guilt that they either they don't have a specialty service or they don't have an ideal client and they're like I've been in business six months I already feel behind so like what did that look like for you when did you figure it out yeah no it did I didn't know it from the beginning I didn't even know what an ideal client was I didn't know what an avatar I didn't know any of that I think what I've done is just really looked back at the people who who have I actually enjoyed working with and what consistent characteristics did they have? Oh, it's interesting because every family I've enjoyed working with had a dog or, you know, every family I've enjoyed working with actually has been at this stage of their life. Ironically, kids or no kids, you know, so it's kind of like, eliminating the the ones that I don't want to see again. You know, what are those characteristics? How can I recognize those earlier in the process? And what are the people who consistently showed me who they were from the beginning and I could, you know, really enjoy working with or who I wanted referrals from, you know, it, it, it was more of just like a data compilation of like, you know, what did I actually enjoy doing yep. and who for? Yeah, sometimes I think the questions can be as simple as that because you want to build a business that you are excited about working in. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if you don't work weekends, then you're excited for Monday, but there are plenty of designers who work seven days a week and they better be excited about it because that's literally their life. Yes. Well, and and I learned, you know, a lot of people want like very wealthy, like they think that's making it, you know, those clients who are very wealthy. I've worked with a few of them. And honestly, I didn't enjoy it as much Mm -hmm. as some of what I call my ideal clients, because I think that there's a certain level of people who were were born with money. They come to expect service-based people in their lives, and they treat them a different way than somebody who's earned it, never imagined they'd have the life they have today. Mm -hmm. They've worked their butt off. And now they're like, wow, I deserve this. I'm going to do this for myself. They treat me so different than somebody who's always been used to having service-based professionals or service-based people in their life. And I prefer to be treated like, you know, a regular human and not somebody's person that they need to order around. Or, you know, I just, I've never been, I don't know, this might not sound right, but I've never been somebody who goes around kissing people's butts. Like I just am what I am. And I can't be me if I'm not 
being authentic. And I'm not saying that my authentic self is so wonderful. Everybody wants to be around it, but it's just what I can live with every day. I don't feel exhausted at the end of the day because I'm trying to be something I'm not. It's just very natural. And I like that. And it takes, again, a lot of confidence to be able to say that. It also reminds me of, and I don't know if you like country music, but Shania Twain had this song called That Don't Impress Me Much. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> all these guys with their fancy cars, and their big mansions, and she's just like, yeah, no. Whatever, uh, yeah. But you have to you have to believe in yourself to a certain point to to get to that and to say, no, I, I don't want that kind of client. I know I can make a ton of money, but it's not worth the headache and goes back to your own quality of life. Cause here you are trying to make their lives better, but if they make your life miserable, it, what, what crap, it's, you know, it's totally. And I don't think anyone could have ever told me that. I think those are things you have to learn on your own and yeah. you might go through that same experience and love working with people like that. You know, I think everybody's different and that's mm-hmm. what makes they're enough to go around. And I also think not profiling people, especially yeah. on their discovery call. Like I had a guy come through, his house was very, you know, average. And he is in terms of like price point, things like that. And I had no idea that he was, he's very, very wealthy, but his home value was not what people would say probably mm-hmm. is like extremely amazing. You know, it was just like he did an, a renovation that was the equivalent of his home value because he wanted to stay in that neighborhood. Yeah. And he had three other homes in other areas that I didn't know about. He just put his information on the questionnaire. He didn't want to be treated like anything special. He just wanted the regular services everybody else gets. And that was one of my biggest design fees to date. And had I profiled it just based on the questionnaire and the, the discovery call, I would have missed out on that whole opportunity. So Mm -hmm. I think you do have to give people a chance, Mm -hmm. but you do have to start recognizing like, Ooh, I've heard that before. Like, I just got to keep my, my radar out for that. Or, you know, just again, finding the confidence to know like your quality of life is important too. And only taking projects that really you can pour yourself into. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of that is listening to your own instincts. Because I think yes. we second guess them too much, especially when people are brand new in business. But mm-hmm. after a while, and I've done this to myself and probably will again, like, oh, I knew that was going to be a difficult client. I saw the red flag. What the heck was I thinking? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's something that we have to pay attention to. Now, I'm curious if those same instincts are what caused you to do something a little bit different with the way you price your services you mentioned your packages and your flat fee structure which by the way like that whole method is now pretty well known in the design community and i do think that's at least in part due to you so why did you do that what are the benefits of it Uh, tell me how you got there i'm a flat fee kind of girl like i like to understand big picture everything I'm not a super, this is ironic, I think, but I'm not like a super in the, in the details, get lost in, you know, all the minutia of every project. That's kind of annoying to me. I like big picture thinking. So when I was going through each of my projects that first year, I had so many lists just all over the place all the time, because there was no workflow. There was no like set way of doing anything. And I was losing control of my projects. And so I had a couple coaching sessions um, with some really impactful people in my life. And they're like, well, what is your process? How are you going to do this? And I was like, what do you mean? You know, I just 
we start here and we end here. And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. How do you get there? So I was like, oh. So then I realized like there's this path and then there's all these subcategories and all these sub processes to each path. And then once you start hiring, that's when you really realize it because that person you hired sitting across the table, like, what should I do? And you're like, well, how am I supposed to teach you when I have to sit here and get this stuff done too? So yes. you have to have it all documented. So it, I had to do all those growing pains. You know, I, I don't want anyone to think that I'm just naturally organized and I naturally come to this stuff. I don't. I, that's why I had the wake up call. It was bad. And so I just mapped it out. And I was like, I've never seen anyone explain it like this. I've never seen anyone actually like show you what it's supposed to be like in interior design. It's like been so held tight to your heart. It's like, I'm not going to share my method because you might steal it. And I was like, well, isn't this about interior design? Isn't this about like, if we actually all started doing the same process and charging a similar price point, then it would just be about which is the best designer fit for me. Mm -hmm. And so I I mapped it out and I started sharing it on my website. I was like, well, here's what we're going to do. That way I don't have to explain it to you every time. Here's what we're going to do. And so I put a price to it. So I basically took my last two projects and I said, how much time did I spend? What did I make? Would I be happy making that again? Yeah, let's up it by like $500. That'd make me really happy. So I posted it to my website. Literally the next day I got a call and it was like, hey, I see that if I do two spaces with you, that it would be 5,000 each. So if I did two, it'd be 10,000 bucks and you'd come in and you'd do X, Y, and Z. I was like, yeah, like, all right, let's do it. I was like, what? (laughs) That's amazing. It really was. I, it was like, like kind of, I was like, whoa. Okay. So I got to the project kickoff meeting and they knew every last step of every last thing I'd written down. And I was like, wow, like they had it in front of them. They knew they were asking me questions. And and in that moment, they added a third space. So my design fee went from like, I don't know, 4,500 for doing like a whole chaotic mess to like $15,000 in my first, like right after I posted it. And so the responsibility on my heart at that moment was like, okay, now I got to do all these things. And so, so then it turned into this like gigantic checklist. And it was like, project kickoff, done. <laughs> Measure the space, done. You know, order the drapery, done. And it was like, I told them everything I was going to do. So it actually served as this amazing tool for them to keep me honest mm-hmm. and for me to keep them in check. So when they said, hey, can you do the bathroom? It's like, oh no, it's not on this list. Um, if you want me to, let's add it, you know, to the scope. And so by defining everything up front and in what space, by space, by service, by workflow, if you misstep, that's not in order on my checklist. So now we got to add it. And so it really like put so many boundaries and parameters on the scope of work, but it also made it so digestible and approachable to the clients. And I think it was just, I started attracting people that never understood interior design because they didn't think it was for them, but they had the money. So it was just this really interesting movement of like, wow, I've never seen it written like that. Well, then I went on a podcast and started talking about it. Other designers started seeing it. And that has led me to just sharing it because, you know, if you don't have the processes to back up that checklist, then, you know, the proof will be in the pudding. But, Mm -hmm. you know, hopefully if you're putting it on your website, you know what you're going to be doing. (laughs) Yeah. And really the heart of what you started doing was communicating extremely well with your clients. And that 
like prevent so much miscommunication, so much disappointment and anxiety on both ends yeah. uh, mm-hmm. from ever happening. And you, you mentioned that designers are coming to you looking to do what you're doing and you do offer design business coaching. So I would Mm -hmm. like to talk a little bit about that because Mm -hmm. clearly you have a lot to offer. You know what you're doing. So who is a good fit to coach with you? Yeah. Well, you know, I've had some people call me who have not even started day one. They're like, you know, can I do this? And so those are good calls. I mean, mindset calls are great to get in. Like, so if you're going to do anything entrepreneurial, you better, you know, Mm -hmm. have your belt on tight. You know, it's just kind of a (laughs) wild ride. But I feel like the best people to really get the most out of our sessions, whether it be, um, I teach on Lou University and I teach through my own website. And I think the people who get the most out of it, who are people who've had about the same year I had my first year, they tried it. They've had some experiences where they thought it was going to go this way and it totally swung the other direction. Clients are taking the show. And I think that them having those pain points gives them enough experience to be able to see how what I'm saying could be applied and how they they could take what they had done and reframe it and rearrange it to suit them better. But I can't imagine if I had never done this before, if I sat in one of my own classes, that it would have hurt. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think if it's day one of your design business and you want to call and have a chat with me, I'll outline, you know, the high level process from start to finish for you. But There's just so many facets to what we do as designers. I think you need to have a little bit of experience under your belt to be able to take the advice I give you and the strategies I give you and and interpret them in a meaningful way. Yeah, I think you have to go through a couple semesters of the School of Hard Knocks before Uh you really start to appreciate good advice. Yes. and maybe not everyone is like me, mention that, but like I would start out my business thinking, I can do this. This is easy. And then mm-hmm. I start doing it. I'm like, okay, never mind. This is right. not easy. I don't know what I'm doing. And that's when the, the processes come into play and you see the value in it. So yeah. where can designers go to connect with you, whether they just want to follow you or coach with you or whatever? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram a lot. I have a lot of things in my highlights and we post a lot about our projects and you can kind of see some of the ways that uh, I talk to my ideal clients. That's a lot of our our marketing and our language. So our Instagram handle is Sarah Lynn Brennan and that's Sarah with no H. So Sarah Lynn Brennan on Instagram and our website is the same domain, sarahlynnbrennan.com. And that's where we have all of our packages and services. Um, My long bio story is on there. A lot of people, it's kind of a link that people have to dig around for, but I get a lot of emails about that page and it's so long. I didn't think anybody would really ever read it, but I felt like my story needed to be fully out there. And so I wrote it one day and I put it out there and so many people connect because they come to this as a second career or they doubt themselves or maybe somebody doubted them and they, they've seen the journey that I've had from literally nothing to you know growing a seven-figure business in less than five years. And I think that it's just uh, a little bit of hope and a little bit of the courage and casual confidence that they need to start to build up their swag to walk in the room and really own what they're doing. Yeah, I like it because throughout this entire time, this five-year span, 
you've still remained very relatable yeah, to, to the you. homeowner, to other designers and, and not getting full of yourself, even though, I mean, honestly, yeah, you've got, you've got reasons to, but you're not. So I like that a lot. And thank you again for coming on the show. I know you're very busy, but the advice that you shared today is going to help a lot of my listeners. So thank you very much. Oh, thanks for having me. I, I love it. Thank you. All right, everyone. If you liked what you heard, please head over to sarahlynbrennan.com or at least follow her on Instagram. She does put out a lot of content, so you will not be bored. Um, You're going to learn a lot from her. And until next time, guys, keep your marketing simple, your message clear, and I will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Visit us at thekateshowpodcast.com where we empower home professionals with marketing confidence.